On the phone right now, I have Karen Hudson, who's the regional associate of the Socially Responsible Agricultural Project and co-founder of Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water. Uh, She's been on the show a number of times uh, and uh, is a small farmer herself. She she will explain her situation. Are you rolling the dice there? Is that what's going on on the other end? We're gambling. Okay, that's what I figure. (laughs) Yeah, You know what? We're gambling with our health in Illinois is what's going on. That's the truth. Uh, Jessica Chipkin is also on the phone. She's from Crate Free, Illinois, which recently received, uh, released an app called the Illinois Guide to Factory-Free Meat, Dairy, and Eggs, which you can download for iPhone or Android. I've got the link uh, my website, MikeNovak.net. Look at the information from this week's show. It's great to have you both on the phone this morning. Thanks, Mike. Um, okay, I'm going to start with Karen. Uh, because, uh, and this relates to last week, it's all connected in Illinois somehow, uh, and probably, and you know, I would assume many, many other states. Uh, but uh, we had Albert Ettinger uh, with a hard G uh, on the show last week uh, talking about the frac sand mine uh, case uh, about the uh, the mine just outside of Starved Rock State Park and how. The environmental groups fought to get the mine stopped and lost. Why did they lose? They did not have standing. This is an issue that is rearing its ugly head all over the state. And as I mentioned on the show last week, it's something that's always in the courts. This is something, if you don't understand what standing is, basically it the court determines whether you have the right to be there in the courtroom, whether you have the right to stand there literally and pursue the case, hence the word standing. Um, as it turns out, the environmental groups did not have standing in the case. Case closed. Goodbye. Let's, let's dig a sand mine next to Starved Rock State Park. Now, this is happening with other things, and, and, and Albert alluded to this when he started talking about concentrated animal feeding operations in the state. Uh, if you go to my website and look at this week's show, I talk about one of them, and there was a wonderful uh, series of articles uh, in the Peoria Journal Star last year uh, about a CAFO, and that's the, the shortened version of that. A lot of folks know what CAFO means. Um, in Marshall County, and a group that is fighting it uh, called Save Our Sandy. And Sandy, of course, is the river which feeds, is a tributary of the Illinois River, feeds into it. And you got to understand, this is not all that far from Chicago. You just go down I-39, you're, and uh, you're uh, in Winona. And this is where the area that it's all happening. So, uh, Karen, why don't you uh, pick up from there? Let let us know how this started and where we are. Well, um, our Save Our Sandy group is just an example of so many other uh, community groups across the state of Illinois and the country that are so concerned that these facilities are being located, number one, near environmentally sensitive areas, such as the river that you're talking about, the Sandy Creek, and also near humans. And we've got research that shows that 
public health suffers near these operations, property values suffer, and the environment suffers. This particular group uh, countered the permit for this operation. The county board actually voted no, uh, which is a non-binding vote. And, and I got to stop you there because yeah. the county, the county not only voted no, they voted, they sent a letter. They the, the vote was ten to one against building. This is the county board. All right. Remember when when uh, a lot of people were mad at the LaSalle County Board because they approved the frac sand mine outside of Starved Rock State Park and, and, and apparently have taken a lot of heat for it since. Well, in Marshall County, the, the board voted 10 to 1 against this CAFO, sent a letter to the Illinois Department of Agriculture stating they were, quote, adamantly opposed to building the facility at the proposed site. And what did the uh, Department of Agriculture do, Karen? The Department of Agriculture did what is the status quo. It permitted this operation of 20,000-plus swine, uh, even though this was a no vote. And people in Illinois, you need to understand that local counties in our state can vote no for low-level nuclear waste sites that are locating in your community or garbage dumps and landfills. But we have no local control when it comes to agriculture. And agriculture has changed in the last 20 to 30 years. It is not just your farm with 30 or 100 cows. We're talking about thousands of animals in one place at one time and spreading raw sewage within miles of this facility. So it's, it's a big impact on all the communities. This, this court um, where the uh, Save Our Sandy group is, Mike's been following that, and we are listening to some of the uh, comments by the appellate court judges when they actually talk to the attorneys from the Department of Ag. And it was very interesting what they asked. Yeah, uh, let's get back to that. We'll get to that in just a second. So the point is that um, Department of Agriculture ignored the county vote and said, no, we're going to cite it here anyway, okay? Yes. And then the, uh, Save Our Sandy took this to court, and the court basically said, well, uh, that's nice, but you have no standing, which we talked about before. You know, just because you live next to it doesn't mean you have any right to object to it. Or you, or let me put it this way. You can object to it, but we don't need to pay any attention to that in court. Am I right about that? That's right. Anyone that can object to it can object at a county hearing if it's of a large enough facility, but it basically holds no water. Right. So, uh, okay, I think it's time to get to the uh, some audio here. Um, I want folks to hear this because... I, got, I just got this yesterday. This is amazing, amazing stuff. And I want to thank you, Karen, for passing this along. Uh, this is from the appellate court uh, where the testimony was heard uh, about the Save Our Sandy group and, and this CAFO. And you're going to hear the judge, and I think there must have been more than one judge there. I think there's a – but the, in this case, it's a female judge. And you're going to hear the lawyer – for the Illinois Department of Agriculture uh, explaining why, and this is just unbelievable and fascinating and infuriating, explaining why the people in Marshall County have no standing. 
Uh, so I'm gonna, and I've got several clips, and and they're quite revealing. So let's uh, let's play that. And and uh, the first one runs just about three minutes. Um, so be patient and listen because it's it's quite revealing. Good afternoon, and may it please the court, Christina Hansen, on behalf of the Illinois Department of Agriculture and its director. <clears throat> As our Constitution expressly provides, administrative action is reviewed only as provided by law. Oftentimes, review is through the administrative review law, but whereas here the administrative review law has not been expressly adopted, nothing in the statute expressly forbids judicial review, it's reviewed under a common law writ of certiorari. But courts, as our Supreme Court has recognized in Dubin, Outcome, and other cases, Courts do not possess greater authority to review agency decisions under common law certiorari than they do under the administrative review law. Ms. Hansen, can I ask you a question? Um, it seems to me if the Department of Agriculture denied VMC a permit, VMC would have appeal rights under administrative review or certiorari. Sure, because they were a party to the administrative proceeding. But if... The Department of Agriculture made a mistake or wrongfully granted a permit. Who who would have standing to challenge that? If anybody. Does anybody have standing under the provisions of the Act? Under the, um, under the LMFA, the, the party to the proceeding would be the um, BMC or the applicant. Um, and... No, there would be no. I don't think there is another party that could bring. What if there was someone that was within the setback? Somebody within the setback could could veto the entire project, and and, and they would have other avenues of relief, such as a co warranto action, because the department would be issuing an illegal action. So what you're saying is, under this statute, the way it's been drafted by the legislature, as long as the permit's granted. Nobody has the right to come in and challenge it administratively. But members of the general public do not do not have that right under the statute. The only thing they can do is is appear at a public meeting and present testimony or evidence. So there's no check or balance is what I'm getting at on the Department of Agriculture to make sure that they've <laughs> correctly followed all of the requirements that they're supposed to follow before they permit an operation like this. Well, additionally, the... This, the statute does not preclude common law remedies. And so if the statute is actually going to interfere with, with neighbors, adversely affect neighbors' interests, they can pursue common law remedies. But they would have to wait, the way I understand it, and tell me if I'm wrong, they would have to wait until the facility was built and they were impacted negatively before they could bring a nuisance lawsuit. Or file an anticipatory nuisance lawsuit, as, as was the case in the Bose case. The Bose case involved um, a writ of certiorari as well as Common law nuisance claims. All right. That is unbelievable. Uh, there's so much There's so much packed into that. And the judge asking, well, what remedy, according to the state law, what remedy is there? And, and the, the Department of Ag lawyer is saying, there's none. You can't do anything. Um, and and, and it, it actually, it, it's not so much as the judge points out, about the Department of Agriculture. It's about the law itself. Right, Karen? Yes, the law itself uh, has so many loopholes in it. In fact, if a facility goes in, it can double 
double its size up to 50% of its fixed capital cost every two years. So once its foot is in the door, uh, people in a community really have no nothing to do except file for nuisance. And those suits have been, have been initiated all over the country, yeah. and they are winning. And that is the only thing that is helping people. But but the point the judge makes, and I thought the judge's questions were really got to the heart of the matter, which is, does anybody have standing? And the, the lawyer says, <laughs> no. no. It means nobody has the right to come in and challenge this law until, as the judge pointed out. So you're saying, basically, they have to build the facility, and then if there's a problem, then you can come in and say something. After your river is fouled, after the quality of life has gone down the tubes, yeah, if you've got a problem, then you can come in and complain. Uh, does that seem right, Karen? That's that's correct. We call it uh, agriculture now thinks it's a sacred cow, and it's not the same agriculture. No pun intended. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I'm going to play the second one here. I mean, it just, the plot thickens. Uh, here's, this one's much shorter. It's, it's about a minute long, and, and it follows in the same vein as, as the one we heard before. The statute itself, the Livestock Management Facilities Act, <clears throat> doesn't provide any avenue for neighbors of the facility to become parties to the administrative proceeding. Um, the the applicant files a notice of intent to construct with the department, and um, notice of that is published. Pursuant to that, the county board may request a meeting, and if a meeting is held, members of the public, neighbors of the proposed facility, can come and can attend the meeting and present, ask questions, present, um, present testimony, either written or oral. But they don't become they don't become parties to the proceeding. Notice of the notice of the department's. Um, I'm sorry. I'll back up. The county board can then issue a non-binding recommendation on the proposal, but the department makes the final decision, and notice of that final decision is sent to the applicant with a copy also to the county board. Do you Nothing, know if the um, department has ever declined to permit one of these large facilities? I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. It's not in our record. I hope you heard that, because I'm going to play it again. The part at the very end, the judge asks, has the department ever declined to approve one of these facilities, a concentrated animal feeding operation? And the lawyer for Department of Agriculture, caught off guard, says, I don't know, it's not in our records. Listen to this again. Do you know if the um, department has ever declined to permit one of these large facilities? I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. It's not in our record. I don't know the answer to that. It's not in our records. Uh, this is just a stunning admission, don't you think, Karen? The answer is no. They have never turned down, to the best of my knowledge, a facility, even though we have county boards that vote no. And recent research from the University of Illinois, from our own state, found that public hearings, 89% of the local residents that attended these hearings, 89% opposed these and challenged the legitimacy of these operations. But they also found that 5% that showed up at these meetings 
were supplied by outside consultants or, and the industry or else the government officials sitting on the stage, which is the Illinois Department of Agriculture. So that study says in a nutshell where people are standing on factory farms in Illinois. Uh, Peggy, I want you to tweet right now. Um, the IDOA has never said no to a CAFO in Illinois. Because as far as I can tell, and I've asked other people this before, Albert last week said, uh, I've never heard of it. I've never heard of them saying no. The lawyer, you just heard it on tape. You just heard her say, let's play it one more time. Let's just play it one more time. Do you know if the um, department has ever declined to permit one of these large facilities? I don't know the answer to that. It's not in our record. I don't know the answer to that. It's not in our record. Well, it's because they always win. <laughs> it's because they always cite them. doesn't matter. And, and, and in the other clip, uh, what you're hearing is that ordinary people, people who live in the area, they can, they can make comments. They can come to a public meeting. They can say whatever they want. They can say, uh, it's killing my business. It's hurting my family. It's causing health problems. It's 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 causing a decline in uh, our our lifestyle, our quality of life. And then the lawyers get to say, "Well, doesn't matter because you have no standing in court." This is the way it works in Illinois. This is the protections that the citizens of Illinois have, which is basically zero to stop these things before they happen. Now, once they build them, and it all goes to heck in a handbag, yeah, get in there in court, see if you can win that one. And you have, as you've pointed out, Karen, some of those cases have been won, and that's really the route you've had to go, right? Yes, yes. The, uh, uh, folks are now initiating nuisance suits, and the reason they're doing this is because nobody will buy their properties who wants to live next to a factory farm and suffer these these impacts? So they will win these nuisance suits, and they're able to sell off their homes either to the operator, which happened near my community, or else just leave their home and 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 move elsewhere where it's safer. Uh, so the Save Our Sandy is just one of a number of these. Uh, you and I talked last year back when I was just doing podcasts and I interviewed you at the Good Food Festival in 2015. At that time, you were fighting a CAFO being built just down the road from New Salem, Illinois, the home uh, of the young adult Abe Lincoln. But that got built. That got passed, right? Yeah, we have about 400,000 tourists that come into that area yearly and this group fought with everything they had they were a very highly intelligent group they used the media they went to their legislators they wrote letters they did everything humanly possible to stop this facility but it went in anyway so um it's it's very frustrating but uh i think we're going to get to a breaking point here and people are really having to demand from their legislators that this law needs to be changed to protect public health and and our ecology in our state. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point, because I mean, we can beat up on the uh, Department of Agriculture all we want, and and their response will be, but it's the law. 
That's what the legislature passed. That's what the General Assembly passed in Illinois. So who's going to take this up? That's part of our problem right now is that these things are happening at breakneck speed, and yet we can't pass a budget in Illinois. So who's, you know, is there, do you know of anybody, Karen, who is willing to take up the cause and introduce a bill, uh, an amendment to this bill? Well, we did have someone uh, partially interested in it, but they have since uh, shown little interest. And we know that Farm Bureau has a lobby that's very strong, and they're working vigorously on uh, legislators in the Chicago area. They're even bringing moms from Chicago down to factory farms and showing them a pristine factory farm. And moms are going back and tweeting about how safe and wonderful factory farms are. So we're trying to get to the Chicago legislators and let them know that this is a statewide issue. It's not just if a factory farm moves next to your rural home. This affects everyone who eats in Illinois because this is a bigger issue. The antibiotic resistance issue in our food supply is coming to the point where we are all suffering. And the amount of antibiotics used in these facilities is about 80% of all the antibiotics in the U.S., And about 75% of those antibiotics come out the back end of the animal. And where do they end up? They're ending up in our water, in our air, in our food supply. So if you walk into a grocery store, whether it be in a rural area or a urban area in Chicago, you have to be so careful about where your food is coming from. That is Karen Hudson, uh, who is a co-founder of Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water. She's also a regional associate of the Socially Responsible Agricultural Project. By the way, that website is sraproject.org. Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water is iccaw.org. Now I want to bring in Jessica. You've been very patient, Jessica Chipkin from Crate Free, Illinois. Uh, As I do this, I want to note that just a few weeks ago, beginning of April, Environment Illinois released a survey uh, which says that 95% of Illinois shoppers would, 95, would consider paying more for food grown in ways that limit harm to the environment. Questionnaires collected by Environment Illinois workers outside grocery stores in Chicago also show that 85% of shoppers think about the environment at least sometimes and 94% might shift their buying habits if food were labeled with their environmental impact. Which takes me to you and Crate Free Illinois. You've put together an app called the Illinois Guide to Factory-Free Meat, Dairy, and Eggs. Tell me about that, Jessica. Sure. Um, Well, let me just back up just a little bit. Um, Crate Free Illinois is about a disconnect, a disconnect between people and the food that they eat. Most people have no idea where it comes from. They have no idea what happens to the animals or its impact on the environment. So one of our, one of our three goals is to create awareness and connect people to local farms. So we created an app that lists a lot, like hundreds and hundreds of farmers in Illinois, 
family farmers that treat animals and the environment with respect. So um, if you, you, when you download the app, the app automatically knows where you are and it lists all the farms in your area. And as you scroll down, the farms get further and further away. If you tap on the farm, it gives you their website, Facebook page, phone number, email address, as much information as we could find. So um, if you go to our website, www.cratefreeil.org, there's a tab there that says buy local, and it has the links to download the um, to download the app. If you go to the Google store, you need to type in Crate Free Illinois and put it in quotes. If you go to the iStore, you just need to type in Crate Free Illinois. So there's several ways to get it. So we've had a really good response, and we keep adding farms. And um, hopefully this will help people um, connect to local farmers and think a little bit more about where their food comes from and what the animals and the, how the animals and the environment suffer. Uh, let's get uh, – okay, two things. First of all, for folks listening uh, – and that thing in the background, that's Jessica's bird. Tell us Sorry, about Sorry, <laughs> I try to shut him up. Uh, what's his name? Ezra. Ezra. That's Ezra. Hi, Ezra. And Ezra is a parrot? Yes, Quaker okay. parrot. A what? A Quaker parrot. A Quaker parrot. I didn't know they had religion. Yes, they do. Well, it's a long scientific name, but they're, they're called Quaker parrots for a variety of reasons I won't go into. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I know there are people listening, and some of them might be listening on their devices. Walk us through that one more time, because I want, I want to see a spike in the number of people who have uh, gotten the app for their phones so that when they shop, they can know whether their food was produced safely and humanely. So one more time, walk us through how folks uh, get the app for iPhone and for Android. Okay. Well, first, the easiest way is to go to our website, createfreeil.org, and just look for the tab that says Buy Local, and that has the direct links. For the iStore, you just have to type in when you're looking for an app, Crate Free Illinois. Um, with the, on the Play Store, you need to type the same thing but put it in quotes. Ah. All right. But that's, that's me. That's just the way Google works. They want it in quotes or yeah. one word. I bet I could find it anyway. I've got uh, I've got an Android myself. You know, it's interesting. I'm looking at this uh, press release that the um, that Environment Illinois sent out, and they write that uh, according to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, pollution from corporate agribusinesses has contributed to poor water quality in more than 100,000 miles of rivers and streams across the United States. Factory farms in Illinois create massive amounts of raw animal waste containing toxins, antibiotics, viruses, and dangerous antibiotic-resistant superbugs. Farmland adjoining rural communities is often treated like a septic tank with unchecked manure over application, spills, and runoff into drinking water sources, which poses grave danger to public health and the ecology of Illinois. And that's you, Karen. That's you being quoted there. Yes, that's me. <laughs> uh, you, you, you know this stuff. You are good. Um, so what's our next step? Yeah, one of the things that we're doing um, at ICCAW is we are trying to get a hold of how many factory farms there are in the state of Illinois. And IEPA has a score of about 55% because we are mapping them ourselves. 
through our own GIS ways and through FOIAs through the Northern Illinois University. I got to stop you. I got to stop you right there, Karen, because, again, this is something I covered on one of my podcasts last year when we were both uh, at uh, Farm Aid 30 uh, on Northerly Island. And I was stunned because, as you revealed to me, and you had actually revealed it to me earlier in the year, and and I just want to hammer home this point. IEPA doesn't know how many CAFOs are in Illinois. And you guys are mapping them, and the numbers that they give and the numbers that you give are quite different, aren't they? They're quite different. Our most recent count as of this month, we've we've mapped about 28 counties. Um, in those 28 counties, IEPA has... 173, and we have discovered 313. So the IEPA says 173, and you guys have 313. There's a, there's a problem there. And, you know, uh, uh, the other hashtag is fix IEPA. Uh, I, I'm not an expert on IEPA, but I, I've watched them over the last few years, and I've watched them long enough to know that they're not doing their job, okay, when it, certainly when it comes to this. Uh, and they're not doing their job in other ways. I mean, it's just these these agencies that are that uh, at least nominally are supposed to be looking out for the citizens of Illinois are not. And not all. OK, let me say not always. You know, I'm not going to issue a blanket condemnation of all of them. But in certain areas where the citizens rights and health need to be protected, it's not happening. Yeah, Mike, if there's one, if you have a more minute, you know, just in line with that, I'd like if, um, to talk about the National Ag Council that was formed on sure. Friday. Yes, um, on Friday, the Humane Society of the United States formed a National Ag Council. And just a really quick backstory uh, over the past four years, the Humane Society has been forming state ag councils, which consist of subject matter family farmers agriculturalists, and of course, animal welfare activists. And their goal is to improve the, um, well, the, the goal is to get rid of factory farms and make life better for animals, family farmers, consumers, and the environment. So they formed on Friday a national ag council that's going to deal with issues like this on a national level, but also speed up the growth of state ag councils which are very useful, you know, bringing in a council of subject matter experts when time, you know, for legislative purposes has been stream, can be extremely effective. So hopefully this will speed up the formation of an ag council for Illinois. And both Karen and I have talked about this, and this is something that we intend to get involved with because that could really move things forward. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, and by the way, if folks want information on that, go to my website, MikeNovak.net. Uh, and in the story uh, that I wrote up, the piece I wrote up about this conversation, the National Agriculture Advisory Council link is there, so you can read about that. And I will tell you, Jessica and Karen, uh, if you start to form something like that, you need to get in touch with me. I want to get the word out. Uh, I, might, I, I might even and be me. part of it. And and Peggy. Okay. Oh, that yeah, you guys, you guys need to talk to Peggy. Because she writes about these stories all the time in Natural Awakenings, and this sounds like uh, this is perfect. Perfect, yes. Yeah, for so, um, I'm going to put you in touch with Peggy so she can do this uh, in her magazine as well. We're uh, we're flat out of time here. Thank you, Mike. Uh, you guys uh, are terrific, and 
um, I think a lot of our listeners appreciate your fight. Not everybody has the opportunity uh, to do that uh, and, and fight the way um, you guys do. Uh, so it's good to have folks as smart and as dedicated as you are. Uh, I know that you will keep me posted so that we know what's going on here. Uh, and uh, any final words uh, before I, I let have you- one. I have one. We need volunteers. If you, you know, you create your own opportunity. Crown and I both created these opportunities and these organizations. And not everybody is wired to do that way, but we could sure use the help. So, I mean, I'm sure I speak for Karen, too. Volunteers. Uh, Peggy, were you going to say something about that? No, you just, you know what it's like to need volunteers as well. So do I. Yeah. What can I tell you? You know, (laughs) Peggy's a volunteer for my show. (laughs) I I know I have one last thing to say. Sure. Um, I am a meat eater. So the, the industry likes to go around saying that folks that um, are opposing factory farms don't want meat to be produced. And I'm Italian. I'm from Chicago originally. I have to have meatballs with my spaghetti. <laughs> but I'd like it done in a socially responsible yes. way, and that's my goal. That's, well, yeah. That's, that's, and it's everyone's choice, but make it socially responsible. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that that's exactly true. If, you know, if you want to eat meat, that's your choice. The big difference is that food animals deserve to have a decent life. They should only have one bad day, not every day. Yeah. All right, Karen Hudson, uh, Jessica Chipkin. Yes, uh, Peggy. Quick question, Karen and Jessica. So, if people do want to volunteer, how can they contact you through your website, through Facebook? Um, Karen, you want to go first? Here, here, here's my uh, email. It's Karen H. K-A-R-E-N-H at S-R-A-Project.org, or you can just Google us, the Socially Responsible Ag Project, or Google Illinois Citizens for Clean Air and Water, and you can find where we are. Yeah, and I know that you, the uh, Crate Free Illinois also has a Facebook page, and I'm sure people can get in touch that way too, right? Yeah, yeah and our, on our website, www.CrateFreeIL.org, we have a volunteer page and a form, and we respond right away. Fabulous. Uh, Jessica and Karen and Ezra. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Mike. <laughs> Thank you so much for your wonderful information. And uh, as always, we will be in touch. Okay, thanks, Mike.